1: Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each
2: day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Today will be another installment in our revived series, Oh, That First Means That?, Technically, it's part 36, since we devoted 31 programs from January to September in 2022 to this series. And in May of this year, backed by popular demand, we'll continue to be detectives of the divine. If you missed any of these newer installments or wish to check out the original 31 archived sessions, go to faithtalk1360.com and search under local program podcasts. The archived sessions start in January 2022. Well, friends, once again, let's put our detective's cap on, pull out our spiritual magnifying glass, and strap on our first century sandals. So we don't just cavalierly and authoritatively bark out what we think of us means shouldn't we want to do the scriptures justice and respect the holy spirit the author and inspire of our old and new testaments Let's faithfully and carefully scrutinize these Bible passages we've believed meant one thing, but are discovering they actually mean something quite different. Our goal has been and continues to be illuminating Bible passages or portions that have either been misread, mistaught or explained, or misapplied. And friends, let me make one thing clear. I take no pleasure in bringing these faulty perspectives to light or get any glee from critically examining texts we preach preachers, teachers, and pastors so easily pontificate as if our interpretation is the only way to understand them. And you know why, friends? Because the Bible has a story to tell us. It's crying out, in fact, screaming out to tell us its story. But what do we pastors, teachers, and preachers, and even average Christians do? We force or manipulate the Bible to tell our story. And why I say, shame on us. Paul, in his brief letter to the Philippians, certainly has a story to tell, doesn't he? In fact, friends, I invite you to read through this incredible letter, only four brief chapters, since our text under scrutiny today is Philippians 4.13, which I'm calling, Can We Really Do All Things Through Christ? Philippians 4.13 has become one of the best-known verses in all of Scripture. Another commentator similarly remarks, Philippians 4.13 is one of the most well-known New Testament verses. Another teacher states, Philippians 4.13 is one of the best-known verses in the Bible because of its power and strength. Even a university professor says Philippians 4.13 is one of the most famous quotations from St. Paul's writings gathered together in the New Testament. The executive director of Grace Evangelical Society adds, Philippians 4.13 is a favorite verse for many people. While many people love this verse, most love it for the wrong reason. When understood in context, the actual meaning and application is far different than most think. Friends, isn't this precisely what we've been saying in this series? Pointing our spiritual searchlight at passages we've believed meant one thing, but are discovering they actually mean something quite different. We've got to realize, friends, that the Bible will not help us if we rip certain words or phrases out of their contexts and make them say things they never intended to say. Philippians 4.13 has gained popularity as a one-liner, even at times being condensed to, I can do all things, appearing on everything from shirts and caps to socks and bracelets. It's become so common that even a vast number of non-religious people are familiar with it. Take the sports world. Tim Tebow's put Philippians 413 under his eye before football games. John Jones, the former UFC light heavyweight champion, tattooed Philippians 413 on his chest. Now, friends, I won't presuppose that everyone in the public sphere that's embraced Philippians 4.13 in one way or another simply doesn't know its true contextual meaning. But I will say that Philippians 4.13 is crying out for us to take a more careful look at what Paul's really saying here and really meaning in light of his present life circumstances. Now, traditionally rendered via the KJV, Philippians 4.13 says... I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And the New King James only differs slightly, saying, Through Christ who strengthens me. Several other respected translations say him instead of Christ, since some older manuscripts say him. But it's clear from the letter itself, and chapter 4 in particular, that Jesus Christ is the him. Now those who know me well and have heard me preach or attend my classes know I often say it's not only helpful to know what a portion of scripture teaches, but also what it does not teach because acknowledging what a passage of Scripture does not teach many times helps us understand it better and get at the heart of interpreting it properly. So I propose Philippians 4.13 is not teaching us that... We can overcome any problem. We can get our past due bills paid up instantly. We'll get that job we crave. We can be automatically healed of any health problem. We Christians are stronger because we're drawing on God's strength when we do things. We may gain wealth by exercising faith. Our life will automatically improve because God is helping us. Friends, at the heart of this little adjective that has been translated all things is really all or every as one thing related to a whole. In other words all, each or every part in relation to the total package. Our word things is secondary, and actually becomes the sticky wick for us who only read a phrase or sentence in our Bibles, and not the whole portion, the words before and after, or even the whole chapter. Because Paul makes it clear what things he's talking about. The total package for him. We must not take the liberty here, friends, of making things to be all the things or anything we want it to mean for us in our lives listen to verses 11 and 12 not that i speak from or according to my want and want here includes need even poverty for i have learned to be content in whatever circumstances i am and content here includes being satisfied even self-sufficient Verse 12 continues, I know how to get along with humble means. And I'll pause here again, friends, because Paul expresses a dichotomy, a paradox, if you will, as this phrase, with humble means, carries with it being fully dependent on Jesus, dismissing reliance on self-governing. So his word choice earlier in verse 11 about being self-sufficient is conditioned on his being sufficient in Christ alone. Otherwise, Paul would be contradicting his own words in 2 Corinthians 3, 4 and 5, about his confidence being in Christ and that he's not sufficient or adequate in himself, but his sufficiency is from God. Verse 12 then goes on, I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. This is why the 2011 NIV translation update modified verse 13, our text under scrutiny, to read, I can do all this through him who gives me strength, to ensure that verse 13 remains tethered to verses 11 and 12, so we don't arbitrarily orphan verse 13 and think it has something to tell us all by itself. Sometimes more dynamic-driven translations hit the mark better than strictly literal translations. In some cases, like the CEV, Christ gives me the strength to face anything, or even the GNT, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. Even the Amplified Bible says I can do all things which he has called me to do, through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. And surprisingly, the Catholic Douay Reims Bible says, I can do all these things in him who strengthens me. I appreciate the testimony of Jeff DeBoer, who attended a small Christian high school in South Dakota. At each annual year-end athletics banquet, a guest speaker addressed the students. At the end of Jeff's junior year, the speaker used Philippians 4.13 to motivate, encourage, and spur on the athletic students, saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He then continued, When I don't feel like I can run another stride, I remember that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How can I have calm nerves at the end of a tight game? How can I do one more repetition through Christ who strengthens me? Jeff was willing to admit that long-distance running or converting a free throw could be difficult tasks, but he quickly realized the speaker used Philippians 4.13 incorrectly to make his point. To be sure, athletics can be difficult, but Jeff knew that what Paul had in view in Philippians was actually far more difficult. You see, Paul, not only in his entire letter, but especially in chapter 4, was zeroing in on one of the most difficult challenges any one of us might face. Being content in discontenting circumstances. Ooh, does this hit home, friends? It's difficult to be content when outside circumstances are such they generate discontentment in us, right? Have you ever thought I could be content if only this one thing would change? Or maybe even if only these two or three things would change? Friends, have any of us ever thought this, we could be content only if we had a little more money, a little less stress, a little more fill-in-the-blank-for-yourself? I'm of the conviction that contentment is not automatic, nor is it a natural attitude. Truthfully, friends, it's a learned skill, and it's learned through experiencing the gamut of human circumstances, from times of plenty to times of need. In Philippians 4, Paul's teaching us that he's learned how to find joy and contentment regardless of his outward circumstances. Well, friends, I suggested reading through this short book of Philippians for a reason, because we discover in chapter 1, Paul is writing from prison, likely a prison in Rome, by the way he describes it. And being in prison, he required help from others. Thankfully, Epaphroditus, one leader at the church in Philippi, visited Paul and brought aid from the church. We see this in chapter 2. Additionally, in chapter 2 and 3, Paul articulates some brilliant spiritual and theological truths that we should hold close to our hearts and take the time to digest with our minds. And by the way, friends, in this short letter of four chapters and only 104 verses, the word joy and its associated terms, rejoice and glad, appears 16 times. That basically averages to once every six and a half verses you <laughs> But by observing and analyzing the actual letter, we discover they appear four times in chapter one, seven times in chapter two, once in chapter three, and four times in chapter four. Friends, this is a letter to read, reread, embrace, and digest its terrific truths as Christians. And I'll even throw in a little bonus here. In chapter one, verses nine through twelve, Paul prays a prayer for this Philippian flock that we should make our own, and not only our own, but we should should pray this prayer over our other Christian friends and have them pray it over us. Friends, we shouldn't be surprised or find it strange that just as Paul experienced a range of positive and negative circumstances, each of us should experience them as well. After all, the apostle Peter in chapter 4 of his first letter wrote to scattered believers residing in all parts of the empire Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. What? Shortly after this, Peter adds, So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Peter closes out his first letter with these words from chapter 5. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Well, friends, Paul has a story to tell us in these few verses in Philippians 4, doesn't he? But have we missed or overlooked the fact that he made zero mention of having his problems solved? That he spoke of being content while in extremely discontented circumstances? That he'd become very familiar with going hungry and suffering need? (laughs) Well, let's pause here, friends. If you tuned in late, you're listening to a word from the Word with me, your host, Pastor Tom. I value you as listeners to a word from the Word which is listener funded. Your financial partnership keeps this program on the air, which also disciples Christians without a church home, plus you who may have been wounded by the institutional church. Join forces with me and a word from the word by emailing me for support details at a word from the word at. Ministry. We'll repeat this info at the end of the program. Well, back to unpacking Paul's story. He wasn't expecting he could achieve anything he desired simply because he could do all things through Christ who strengthened him. That strength from Christ is not about achieving personal human goals or desires, but rather about enduring and remaining faithful and satisfied amidst adversity. That all the heart of this one-liner, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is the truth that we can draw or appropriate strength and perseverance that only comes from an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. That this strength enables us to face any circumstance in life. Friends, I'm from the generation that grew up watching the original Superman TV series in the 50s. I guess many of you recall that famous intro, right? "'Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, "'able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. "'Look up! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman!' Then the announcer continues, Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bends steel in his bare hands, and fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Friends, the picture painted of Superman was that he could do virtually anything. Haven't we, Christ followers, fallen for this notion when we make Philippians 4.13 reinforce our triumphalist or super-Christian mentality? Somehow we're not connecting the dots to the point Paul is driving home in verses 11-13 through as a unit, initially to the Philippian Christians, and by extension to us in the here and now. And this point is not exclusive to Paul. It's scattered throughout our Old and New Testaments. In the immediate context of the Philippian church, Paul is calling attention to the fact that he's known both plenty and lack throughout his life. And the secret he's learned from his experiences is that contentment could not be found in either place. What? Friends, it's a great day for us Christ followers when we realize striving for contentment peace, or even satisfaction won't ever come from human efforts, achievements, or possessions. If God didn't spare his own son from typical human challenges and disappointments, what makes us think we should be untouched by these same challenges and disappointments? That we should be unscathed just because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us? Friends, let's administer to ourselves a dose of reality from the writer of Hebrews speaking of Jesus. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation jesus perfect through what he suffered hebrews two ten. since the children have flesh and blood he too jesus shared in the humanity so that by his death he might break the power of death that is the devil and free those of all lives were held in slavery by their fear of death for surely it is not angels he helps but abraham's descendants for this reason he had to be made like them fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Hebrews two fourteen through eighteen. You see, friends, the Bible throughout clearly teaches us that contentment is found in only one place, in our relationship with an all-knowing and all-controlling God. I know you've heard the phrase, looking for love in all the wrong places. Well, aren't we often guilty of looking for contentment in all the wrong places? Friends, the secret Paul learned in verses 11 and 12 required a shift in focus. Our energy seems to be directed at changing the aspects of our lives that cause discontentment rather than seeking our loving Heavenly Father who's allowed positive and negative circumstances to come into our lives. Otherwise, what purpose would Romans 8.28 have? Do we trust that the all things of Romans 8.28, which, by the way, is the same word in philippians 4:13 will miraculously and marvelously turn out for our ultimate good at the same time bringing glory to god so friends it's really time to shift our focus wouldn't you say to give due honor to the word of god and give the respect due to the holy spirit Philippians 4.13 is not offering us the possibility to run farther, faster, accomplish human goals, leap tall buildings in a single bound. Rather, it invites us to see the greater possibilities of contented living, despite our discontented surroundings. And friends, this is only made possible through Christ, who strengthens us. And I'll throw in another bonus here. Our English word strengthen is the Greek word empower, and why one of the translations I quoted earlier uses power. Let's think about something for a moment, friends. If our misperception of Philippians 4.13 is really the way it should be interpreted, then Paul himself stands as an anomaly, doesn't he? He stands as a failure to his own supposed promises of being able to do all things. But at the end of this letter, he's still stuck in prison, suffering. He's still appealing to the Philippian Christians and thanking them for their help. And he's clearly a poor example since he's not been able to do all things through Christ. So why on earth should we in the 21st century believe him? You see, friends, we 21st century Christians have totally missed Paul's shift in focus. And here I'll be blunt, friends. It's our own fault we've missed Paul's shift in focus because we've bought into this modern day bread box theology. I call it that because we've become content with our breadcrumb for the day, digest our single slice of spiritual bread daily, rather than savoring and devouring a true spiritual sandwich or a loaf of spiritual bread. We've become just like the Israelites in the wilderness, each day collecting our manna. Well, friends, it's time we get tired of simple manna. It's time we look for spiritual provision from the whole Word of God, the whole loaf. Snippets here and there will not nourish us. Friends, Paul looked to the spiritual provision of the person Jesus. In him he discovered strength hope, joy, and contentment, even in the darkest situations. You see, it's precisely this power that transforms hearts and frees minds oppressed by the discouragement of present discontenting circumstances. The same power that might have delivered Paul instantaneously from prison, however, became the power that daily transformed Paul's heart and mine to become more like Jesus. So friends, Paul revealed this greater secret to some of his closest friends and supporters in Philippi. And now we have his record so we can adopt this very secret ourselves. But unfortunately, many of us have suppressed the secret, preferring something more glorious instead. And why I say, shame on us. Amen, amen. Well, friends, we're at the end of our program. I hope it's blessed you. A listener wrote in regarding our last session on Precept Upon Precept with, Wow, what a great message. Thank you so much. I really like the part where you said that God will be the spirit of justice. I've been so mad at politics lately. Everything about it maddens me. I appreciate you. You always have good messages. Well, thanks for your note. And as promised, we'll close with an email where you may inquire about how to financially support a word from the word. That's are funded. I love coming alongside those without a church home or those who've been wounded by the institutional church. Podcasts are posted at faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts. Podcasts are also on Spotify and Apple. And thanks to my friends and partners at christianbody.net. We're broadcasting in 70 plus countries. Friends, please invest in the mission of a word from the word and help keep us on the air. Well, thanks for for listening friends and remember jesus loves you i'm pastor tom with a word from the word friends if you would like to let pastor
1: tom know what this program has meant to you email him at a word from the word at minister.com that's a word from the word at minister.com